You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hey, listen, we are in a series right now. This is week two. Uh, grateful. And we're talking about gratitude, right? And learning to look through the lens of gratitude. In other words, learning how to live a lifestyle of gratitude, right? And so this week, I want to start by telling you, you're not alone. That's right. You are not alone. That is actually something to be grateful for. Trust me, trust me. You are not alone, and we're going to talk about that. You know, this time of year, we tend to focus on families, right? It's about uh, gathering together, getting together. And a lot of times, this time of year, we're talking about families. Now, some of us come from big families. Some of us maybe come from smaller families. Some of us uh, even have close friends that we would consider family, right? Either way, the tendency at this time of year is to gravitate toward this thing called family. Now, what about y'all? I haven't seen the perfect family yet, right? We got some stuff, right? We're going to be experiencing here in these next couple months with family, right? Uh, some of us, uh, you know, things get a little crazy. Sometimes we think our, sometimes we're the crazy, but you know, sometimes, you know, our, our families can be a little crazy. Yeah. I had a crazy family straight up crazy family. And uh, the good thing was that I didn't know they were crazy until I was grown. So as a kid, I thought the holidays were amazing. They were great for me. It was a chance to get out of school. I got to hang out and play with my friends. No homework for a couple of weeks. Back then it was a couple of weeks. Now it's gotten so short, I don't even know what's going on anymore. But for the holidays, they were pretty good. We got to eat treats and, and hang out, and it was fun. I didn't know my family was nuts, but... I did know a girl. She lived next door to us as I got older, and um, she was only 16 years old, and um, her mother died. And it was just her left with her 8-year-old little sister and her younger brother. And her father had abandoned the family years before, so Ida was alone. Ida was a young girl left alone at the holidays, and she was always so sad around this time of the year. She always felt alone. She would come and talk to me. We lived in a duplex in Houston and in the ghetto, and we were right next to each other, right? And she'd come and sit on the porch and just tell me how she was felt so alone for the holidays. And, you know, I didn't know back then about family what I know now, and that is that family is what you make it, and it doesn't necessarily take blood to make a family. You know, my dad was adopted, and he's still my dad. You know, that's my dad. And his parents were my grandparents. I mean, family is more than blood. We need to remember that. Can we get the lights up a little bit? I feel like I'm in a concert or something. So um, anyway, as followers of Jesus, I want to tell you that we are a family. We're a spiritual family. And that's a big deal. That's something to be thankful for. Think about it. Whether you're alone or not, you belong. If you belong to God's family, you're in a family and it's a good family. It's an important family. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You're not alone. You're part of God's family. If you've come into God's family by, by accepting Jesus, you have a family here in your church. And that was God's plan from the beginning. 
He wanted a family, so he created humanity. He created mankind. We were created to be in God's family. And Ephesians 1.5 says, His, God's unchanging plan, has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's so good. So really, God's plan from the very beginning was for a family. That's why he created you and I to be in relationship with him and each other. So God went to a lot of trouble, if you look at it, to really create a family and, and to bring us into his family. First, he created each one of us. And I don't, you know, really doesn't matter how he got you here, but believe me, he had a plan to get each and every one of us here. So whether your parents are still with us in this world, whether they've gone on to, to be with the Lord, just know that God had a plan to get you here. He had a plan to get you here. Now, not only that, but then he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, so that we could actually live with God and with Jesus in a family forever, in a family forever. So God, this idea of an eternal family is God's idea. And he sent his son so that we could be in an eternal family. Another way to say it is that God made you and I to be in his family a family that will last forever. Amen. Wow. That's, that's, that's good news. That's something to be grateful for. Okay. And the vehicle here on earth that God has chosen to kind of knit us together as a family is this thing called the church. The church is God's idea. I hate to tell you this, you know, in case you don't know this, but the church is actually God's idea. It's it's not some man-made concept that we decided one day, well, we're just going to start doing church. No, Jesus said, I'm going to establish a church in the gates of hell. That's right. Meaning nothing is going to prevail against his church. So this thing called church is relevant now more than ever in the world in which we live. Okay, this thing called church, its idea is that it's the place here on earth where God brings us together as his family. Amen. And you know what? God wants us to love our spiritual family. In fact, in 1 Peter 2.17, the message version says, love your spiritual family. So we're, we're learning this from the very beginning. And this life is really a dress rehearsal for eternity, right? It's, it's this opportunity that we have here in our spiritual families to learn how to love each other because that's what's going to last for eternity, right? That's where we're, we're, we're going to be because you see our earthly families at some point are not going to exist, right? But our spiritual eternal family, that's going to exist forever. And that's why it's so important that we learn this concept that we're in a family, we're part of a family and the church provides a vehicle really to help us learn how to do that to help us learn how to love each other. That's right. You know, there's actually a term for this um, spiritual relationship, and it's called fellowship. It sounds like a really churchy, old-school term, but it's legit. The word fellowship in the New Testament is used with the word, the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship, association, community, joint participation, intimacy, and also a gift jointly contributed a collection, a contribution, a collection, a contribution as exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. So think of it like this. Fellowship is a deeper level of relationship. 
And that's how we're supposed to love our spiritual families. The Bible says the person who loves God must also love other believers. That's 1 John 4, 21. So how do we do that? How do we learn to love each other as a spiritual family? It's actually, sometimes it could be easier or it could be harder than loving your own family. Depends on what kind of family you've got. But a spiritual family, the family of God in the church, that is something we learn to love because they weren't, we weren't born together. We didn't grow up together. This is a different kind of love. So to start with, we have to understand and we have to believe that the people in this room are our spiritual family. That's where it starts. And the church is more than a building. We have a beautiful building here. I mean, y'all should have seen this place when we first walked in here. This was a gymnasium and it had some funky floor back there that looked like a race car. Anyway, this was a this building was so different than it is now. It's beautiful. We worked hard, all of us collectively as a family, worked hard to get it to make it what it is now. What you see now is not what it was. The church, though, is more than this beautiful building. Right. It's way more than this building. It's more than just meeting once a week on Sundays and gathering around. It's way more than that. And it's because our spiritual family is meant to last for eternity, forever. So we're called. We are expected to start building those relationships right here, right now. Now, I'm not talking about acquaintances. Acquaintances are one thing. I'm talking about relationships. Relationships are totally different from acquaintances. They're deeper, way deeper. We will never build a relationship with anyone unless we spend time with them. So we'll never build a relationship as a spiritual family without spending time with each other, getting to know each other. You know, that actually happened on Friday. Friday, um, a few of us were here at church um, bringing the food back from our, our food distribution partner for our pantry. And um, there were a couple of ladies. They didn't even know each other. They had just met that day. And I was checking them out in the lobby over there and kids. And they were just chatting it up, having this long conversation, laughing. They were exchanging information. And come to find out, and through that interaction, they got to know each other a lot better. And they found out some, that they had some really cool things in common. And that's what spiritual fellowship looks like. That's what biblical fellowship looks like. People hanging out together, getting to know each other in God's house, serving God in his house. That's what we're called to do as a spiritual family. And that's the beginning of spiritual fellowship. And you know, it wasn't until I started walking out my Christian life when I came back to Jesus way back when... It wasn't until I started walking out that life. You know, it's a journey, y'all. When you become a Christian, it's not like just boom, you know, you're just miraculously changed. It's a journey. I don't know anybody who's been delivered like that. And I'm sure there are people who've been delivered by God like that. Quick, quick, you're no longer an addict. You're no longer whatever. That wasn't my story. And that's not the, the majority of the stories. It's a walk. We got to walk it out. We got to learn some things. We got to grow. We got to, we got to learn what the scripture says about us. If not, we'll still believe what the world says. But my point is when I started walking out my Christian faith, I started to realize that there's a difference between my friends and the people that I was in relationship with in the church. Now I had some great friends, right? 
actually, if I'm going to be totally honest, a lot of my friends were my club friends back in the day. But still, they were my friends. We knew each other a long time. And just because, you know, we didn't hang out the same way didn't mean we weren't going to be friends. But the point is, my friends were more interested in my happiness. They cared about me. They loved me. They were my friends. And they wanted me to be happy, but they weren't too concerned that I had joy. Now, there's a difference. Happiness is like water. It's fluid. It changes. And it's based on circumstances at any given time. That's happiness. Joy is rock solid. Joy, true joy, is built on the rock. It's solid. It's a steady peace deep down inside that you know that no matter what's swirling around you in your life, in your home, in your job, in the world, no matter what, you are at peace. You have a joy. You have a solid joy in your heart. But in the church, I found fellowship, true biblical community. I found relationships with people who loved me more than I even love myself sometimes. That's what I found in the church. And these are the kind of relationships that we need in our lives, y'all. We need those solid relationships in our lives. Those are the relationships that show us that we are not alone. Absolutely. So we want to talk about some things like how do you build these relationships, these spiritual relationships that God has called us to build? We want to talk about three three different ways that, that we can do that. The first, very simply... We can choose to belong. And, and belonging is a choice, by the way, right? You know, we have to choose to belong. And that's really where it starts. That's the basic and most simple place to start is to get connected to each other. Now, you know, over the last almost two years now, as anyone that's you know been on the planet knows this thing called COVID, has, has kind of shifted things. And it shifted things even within the church significantly, right? Uh Basically, we were forced to kind of pivot, right? We couldn't really meet in person uh, for for a time. Uh, and so, you know, this thing called online, you know, services began. Now, they existed before, by the way, as many of you know. But it was certainly uh, pronounced now that, and thank God we had that technology. Great. It was beautiful that we could still somehow stay connected in that way. We could still hear uh, the worship music or still hear the word of God presented. And that was all great. So thank God for technology. And, and I'm not anti-online church. I think it has a place. Um, but the problem with that is that it created an environment like much of COVID that became very impersonal right? It became very distant. Although nice to have it, it doesn't and it never will replace what is happening right here. Amen. Never. Okay. The online church is not meant to replace (laughs) uh, what happens here. It's a supplement. It's great, but it's never going to replace what's going on right here because there is really no opportunity for real interaction in that kind of a situation. Now, it also led to a thinking or, or kind of a mindset that, well, I can just be a quote-unquote Christian. I can still follow Jesus, but not be a part of a church. Let me tell you, that's very dangerous thinking, yeah. okay? Because number one, it's not supported by the Bible, yep. okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can go off and be, do your own thing. It's just me and Jesus, and that's all I need. In fact, it says the exact opposite, It says, yes, you need a relationship with Christ. And it always starts with that. Always. Let's keep that in mind. But 
about two-thirds of the New Testament is actually Paul writing to churches. He's not writing to individuals. That's right. He's, he's talking to churches, a collective body who is made up of individuals. So let's get that straight. But Christianity apart from the church is not really Christianity because it's not following what Jesus said. Jesus said, I will build my church. And again, as Karen said, the church is not just a building. We get that. Okay, so hear me on that. Church is not just a building. The church exists way out. We, we hope this church exists way outside the four walls of this building, right? Yeah. And it better, right? Because it's not just about the building and coming here on Sundays. So the church has work to do, uh, no yeah. doubt, outside of a Sunday service. But those things are linked. Jesus was very clear. I'm going to build my church, mm-hmm. and you are going to be a part of it, right? If you're called... Um, so God made us to be in relationship with him and each other. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2.19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. In order to start building fellowship with each other, we have to make a decision that says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some of my time. I'm going to give some of my effort to showing up. <laughs> Uh, and being a part of his church. And that's where fellowship begins, when we start to belong. Think of it like a puzzle. If a piece is missing, the puzzle still might look pretty good, but it's really not complete. It's not everything it's supposed to be, right? And we're like pieces of a beautiful, amazing, power-filled puzzle. That's what the church is about. That's what the church is like. We belong together. We fit together. And who knows, you know, that God's plans and purposes for you or me isn't tied somehow to how we fit together. In fact, his word actually says that that is the way it is, that we are actually one uh, fit together body. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, in the same way, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. Notice that word connected. We must be connected to each other in order to build these deeper relationships that God's calling us to build. Jesus loved the church so much that he died for it. Jesus loved the church so much. He had such a passion for us to be together in community and carrying forward his message. As a body of believers, we're on a mission to spread that love that Jesus shared with us. We're his hands and feet here on earth. And we need to have an equal passion about his church. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, this is not Bob's church, Karen's church, it's not even your church. It's actually the church of Jesus Christ of which we get to participate in. Amen. That's really good. That's really good. Say that again. It's the, the church ch- of Jesus Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ that we get to participate in. Amen. Amen. So once we have chosen to belong, what's next? Now what? Have you ever thought about that? Once I decide to join the church or to, to be in the church, what's next? Well, there's a lot of next steps for a lot of things. But the next step here would be we learn to share with each other. And you know, you've seen kids, right? Kids have to be taught to share. I can go in the toddler's room right now. I guarantee you that Jude's in there going, mine, that's mine, mine, that's mine. Give it to me, that's mine. 
They have to be taught to learn to share, right? That's humanity. It's not human nature to want to share things with other people or just give them away, right? But you know what? If somebody means something to you, then it's a whole different thing. You don't mind sharing with them. You don't mind giving to them. The Bible says in Acts 2.44, all the believers met together constantly, not just every once in a while when they felt like it, constantly, and shared everything with each other. God wants us to love one another by learning to share what he has given us with each other. You may say, well, pastor, I don't really have anything to share. What, What can I share, right? Everyone has something to share. Everyone. You can share your experiences. Let's start with that. There are people all around you who have gone through something or are going through something right now that you may be going through and you're wondering, how am I going to handle this? And you know what? Maybe just taking the time to get to know each other better would provide an opportunity for you to share what God has done for you, how God has gotten you through some things so that you can bless them. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 is one of my very favorite scriptures. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Nobody knows it all. None of us. None of us have got this figured out. And if anybody tells you they have, they're lying. Nobody has this figured out. Life or anything for that matter. Don't even, don't even get us started on putting stuff together. Lord, <laughs> nobody's got that figured out yet. No. We barely figured out how to cooperate without killing each other, putting stuff together. But my point is, nobody has the answers to everything. But you know what? We all have opportunities. We all have experiences. And if we can share those with someone else and what God has got us through, or maybe what we figured out through trial and error, then we can grow together. Yeah. That's the point. Sharing our challenges, our victories, our wins, our losses, our hits and misses, whatever you want to call it. When we share those things with each other, we grow. And that may be something that somebody needs to hear. They need to hear it. What did you do? Well, let me tell you what I did. And this is what God told me. This is how you grow together as a spiritual family. You share your experiences with each other. And sometimes... People just want to know that somebody else understands what they're going through. That's so good. That's, That's so huge. Good. And I promise you. Go ahead, baby. You want to yeah, say something? Yeah, let me just, you know, I, I heard this a long time ago, and the longer I'm on the planet, the more I, I believe this. There's a saying that, that says, people will admire you for your strengths, but they will connect with you in your weakness. That's very true. That's very true. And that's, that's part of this connectedness. And you've got, we look at our weaknesses as, as somehow something, uh, bad or to hide or to say, oh, you know, no, it's actually in that weakness that we, first of all, that we connect with Christ, right? It's in our weakness that we connect with Jesus. It's also in our own weakness that we connect with one another. So don't ever be afraid to share your story because it's powerful and it can help somebody. It's transparency, it's authenticity, and people connect with people that they know are real. And so sharing our stories with each other, the good, bad, and the ugly, is a way that we can build authentic biblical relationships with each other. 
And I promise you right now that there are people in this church, in this room, who can encourage you just by sharing with you what they've been through. You don't know who's sitting next to you. So watch your purses, okay? Just kidding. But there are men and women sitting all around you in this building who have walked with Jesus through hell and back. And they have something to sow into That's good. your life. Come on. They can help you get through whatever you're going through right now, too, because they've been there, done that. And they know what Jesus did for them. And all you got to do is hear their story. There are so many stories in this room. I wish y'all knew what I knew. There are so many amazing stories of God's goodness, his faithfulness, his just being there in this room right now. We got to get connected to each other so we can encourage each other. There are people in here that need to know what you've gone through. And there are some battles that you've been through that you need to share with others. God's been good to you in some way or another. He's been good to you. He's gotten you through some stuff. And that's something that just let that boldness of God rise up in you so that you can share that with someone else to bless them, to encourage them. Because if you don't share it, God's not going to get the glory from that. And we want God to get the glory he deserves because he is good and he's a good, good father. And you know what? You never know if your story might give someone hope, someone who's about to give up. We don't know where people are. I was listening to a lady the other day, and she told me a story. She was at the mall, and she met a lady at a store, and the lady was telling her a story how there was a girl up on the upper level by the food court who was hanging over, just kind of leaning over the rail, looking down, and you know, intently looking down. And God told the lady in her heart, go tell her, don't jump. And the lady was like, is that you, Jesus? Or is that the French fries? What is that? And she was very hesitant to say anything, but she just could not say it. She couldn't not say it. So she waited a second more and she went over to that little girl and she said, she didn't know what she said, what she was going to say. And she said, you know what? I don't, you don't know me. I don't know you, but God told me to tell you, don't jump. And the little girl got tears in her eyes and said, wow, how did you know? She says, I was just waiting for the people to move out of the way. So I don't hurt anybody. Your story can change someone's life. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Step out in faith and share your life with someone else. We have to learn to share if we're going to be a spiritual family. And remember, we're going to live together in heaven forever. So we got to know each other. We better get to know each other. You need to know who's living next door. Okay, I'm just saying, are they going to do their lawn? Are they not going to do their lawn? Are you going to have trash trouble? I'm just saying, you need to know your neighbors. You need to know each other because we're going to be together in heaven. And God has a sense of humor, y'all. I'm not even going to say what I'm thinking right now, but he has a sense of humor. He'll put you next door to somebody real different. He put us together. We are so opposite. Y'all have no idea. He has a sense of humor. The Bible says, open up your homes to each other. That's 1 Peter 4, 9. So the other thing you have to share is your home. And you may think, oh, I just have a small house or, you know, I have a little apartment. So what? You have a home that you've made a home. Jesus lives there with you. Open up your home. Be obedient to his word. First Peter 4, 9, open up your homes to each other. Invite somebody in this room over for coffee or dinner. And if you don't cook like me, get some McDonald's or something. Chick-fil-A. Maybe something better than McDonald's, but yeah. Whatever, coffee. Open up your home. Open up your home. Invite somebody over from church for coffee. Invite them for dinner. I've gotten to know more people on a deeper level sitting at my kitchen table over coffee and breakfast or whatever than any time in the lobby or anywhere else. Open up your home. 
God gave you that house. He blessed you with that house. Let that house bless somebody else. Come on. Open up your house. It's intimate. It's relaxing. I mean, you can sit in your pajamas. They can come in their pajamas. I tell people all the time, if you're coming for breakfast, I don't expect nothing. I got no expectations. Come as you are because I'm going to be as I am, okay? Be comfortable. Open it up. Be, open your house. Be relaxed. It's an opportunity to get to know somebody. It's an opportunity to get encouraged and to encourage them. And it's also a chance for you guys to get to know each other better. And just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean that everything's cupcakes and rainbows. Come on. Doesn't mean that all your problems disappear. Scripture actually tells us something way different from that. But that's why having a spiritual family is so important. You can share your burdens with each other. Scripture tells us to do that. It says, share each other's troubles and problems. That's Galatians 6, 2. Having a spiritual family is important because you get encouraged, they get encouraged, and you have someone who can help you walk out this Christian life. Someone genuine, someone who understands God's word too. And if you don't understand it, y'all can figure it out together. That's another benefit of opening up your home, having people over, sharing God's word and what he's speaking to you in that moment. And we also get to help each other share each other's loads. That means... Your burden may be heavy, but if you've got a brother or a sister here to help you, then it gets a lot lighter. It's a give and take kind of deal. You know, I saw that Saturday, no, Friday again, Friday morning, we had truckloads of food and I, and Bob and I were scratching our heads, you know, and we were thinking, okay, how are we going to do all this? That's a lot of food. But then I remembered we have these people coming, people in this room right now who showed up, who, who showed out, who, I mean, there was like seven or eight of us and like that, we got it done. I actually planned for like three hours and it was done in like an hour and a half, two hours max. I was so, but more people, there's a saying, and I don't know what it is, but it's something about lighter hands, make the load light or something like that. Thank you. So many hands make light work. It's true. And in a biblical spiritual family working together, we can get a lot done, y'all. We can get a lot done for God's kingdom. And that's why we're here. That's the whole point of it. Let me just give you a a real quick, another example. You know, I had neck surgery back in January and, um, it was, it was very frightening. It was very scary. And I literally had to learn to walk again. Um, and you know, I used to be, I'm not going to say I am. I used to be a big control person, like, big hardcore control freak. So not being able to get up and walk was like messing me up. It was not just a physical thing. It was an emotional or mental thing for me. I had to learn to walk again and I was in constant pain. And I had this one over here saying, come on, get up, get up. I'm like, you need to shut up. No, get up, babe, get up. But the point is I couldn't even walk. I had so much pain. I couldn't even think about how I was going to have dinner that night, how we were going to eat. I was on all these medicines for my pain. And you know what? My church family rallied. You guys in this room, many of you guys in this room right here rallied. Y'all took care of business. We had dinner for a couple of weeks. I think it might have even been more than that. And I didn't have to worry about that. I could focus on getting better. And that was a blessing. That's what spiritual family does. That's what we do for each other. We carry each other's burdens. And you know what? They cared for me and y'all are the ones that I pray for because y'all took care of me. I'm going to take care of y'all. I'm going to look out for y'all too. It's a give and take deal. That's the way it works. It's a godly functioning family. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we've, we've seen how just being willing to belong is, is the start sharing with each other is, is kind of the next thing. And then really finally, the, the third way that we can kind of develop this spiritual family is by participating. 
Just by participating, what does that mean? I want to remind you that no matter what life may have dealt you, you are loved in this place. That's right. You are loved in this place. The church family, our church family, all of us, participate in what God is doing through his church. Ephesians 2.10 is probably one of my favorite scriptures, and this is what it says in the Amplified Version. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared, key, God prepared in advance for us to do, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us. You know, I love this amplified version of this particular scripture. It's God saying, I created you, you and me, to belong to him and to be part of his family, to be part of his family and to participate in a special way that was made and designed just for you. In other words, God said, I have specific things I'm already planning. Every one of you here, before you were ever born, God set out things he wants you to do. And only you to do specific things for you. Guess what? Our job is simply to discover what those things are. Okay. When we come in, when we make ourselves available to belong, when we start sharing with one another, when we start participating, oftentimes that's the way that God reveals what those things are. Okay. That's how he, he shares with us. You know, when you were a kid, I don't know about you, I, I had these things. We had these chore thing called chores, right? Ugh, you yeah. know, these things that our parents would give us to do. Maybe it was washing the dishes after dinner or loading the dishwasher or mowing the lawn. That was always mine. Taking out the trash. Well, you know what? God also, on a much bigger scale, has work for us to do. Right. <laughs> Thank God they're not called chores because they're actually much more important than even that. But even within God's family, he has things he wants us to do. It doesn't mean we have to do them to be accepted by him. Please hear me. Right. This is not, uh, you know, if you don't do your chores, you're in time out for the week. Thank God uh, he does not work that way. He's going to love us and accept us. But I also want to be really clear, and Scripture's clear, that he does have things for us to do. Yeah. He does have things he wants us to participate in, to be a part of, that if we believe Ephesians 2... We're actually laid out specifically before we ever got here for us to do. Okay, that's how detailed God is about our life. You know, each of us uh, wants to make a tangible contribution uh, to how we serve God together. You know, like we're a startup church here. Some people, you know, use the word church plant, meaning we're new, right? So right now our numbers are, are somewhat limited, right? And the way that the big, one of the biggest ways that we can connect with each other is by serving together, right? You know, the, the food pantry was a great example of that wow. yesterday, coming together, serving our community, serving here at church, uh, in different ways. Um, you know, being able to, uh, some of us doing the the greeting. Uh, we have other people that that you know uh, are going to be called uh, to use their gift up here on stage in terms of musicians or vocalists in leading us into the presence of God. Whatever way, there's you know children that that need teaching 
in, in loving uh, in, in our kids' classrooms. There's many ways that we're called to participate in this thing called church. We participate as a spiritual family so that we can bring heaven to earth. Yeah. There are a lot of hurting people all around us. We work with some of them. And some of, them, some of us have come out of very abusive situations in life. And I want to I want to say that again. Some of us, us have come out of abusive situations in life, and many of us have come out broken. Some of us are still hurting, maybe lost. Some of us have lost hope at one point or another. I call it the Walking Dead. We were still alive and breathing, but we were dead inside. So we know. Coming out of that, we know the power that Jesus has, the resurrection power to bring the dead back to life. Because he brought this dead woman back to life. Ooh, that's good. Some of you have been brought back to life with that resurrection power. So we know. We know what that looks like. And there are people around us that are living dead lives. It's up to us to reach them for Jesus. But we can do that better together. We can do it much better together. Ephesians 4, 9 says, two are better than one, for they have a good reward or a good reward for their toil. First Corinthians 3, 9, we are partners working together for God. Now look at that word partners. Let's go back to the Greek word koinonia for fellowship. That word fellowship, biblical relationship is also used interchangeably with the word partnership. We were created. You, me, him, all of us, all of mankind. Hear me. Every single human being walking this planet was created for a relationship with God to be in God's family. That wasn't an accident. That wasn't just something he thought up out of the blue. No, that was an intentional part of God's plan for the humanity. To be in a family, a spiritual family, to be in his family. And he's the head of that family. He's our father. And we were created to partner together, serving him, his purposes in our spiritual family. Amen. You know, God, um, let me, let me just say this about the, the spiritual family, because I mentioned a minute ago about how we can participate by serving in his house. But this whole thing about spiritual family, you know, some, sometimes you, you will hear, and this is kind of maybe a difference between earthly family and spiritual is, you know, you'll hear the phrase, well, so-and-so is the heart of our family, right? It could be a mom, could be a dad, could be anyone hear that. Maybe you've experienced that even in your own families. And the issue with that is that, okay, let's say that person is the heart of your family or described as that. Well, what happens when that person goes to be with the Lord, Right. As we said in the beginning, there's, there's kind of an end to, to the earthly family. But the beautiful thing about our spiritual family is everything and everything we do is centered around Jesus Christ. That's who's the heart of this family. Yeah. That's who's the heart of our spiritual family. And in Christ, that's actually what we're rallying, rallying around together as a family is what Jesus Christ has done for us, continues to do for us. That's the unifying factor. And that's why, as Jesus himself said, his church, his family will actually have no end. (laughs) You know, once you've accepted Christ, you're, you're in, you're not, 
you know, maybe I'm in this week, I'm out next week, maybe someone made me mad, you know, now I'm out of the family. No, with Christ, we're, we're always going to be part of his family. In fact, it says that your name, your name is written in a book in heaven. Did you know that? That when you accept Jesus Christ, your name is written in a book in heaven. As I was thinking about this, photo albums, right? We, we've all got photo albums probably at our house as well. Maybe, maybe, maybe no. today you don't. I'm going old school photos. for a minute. Everyone, well, you have your phone, okay? You've got all these pictures on your phone. Well, some of us old school people, we actually have something called a photo album. I know it's kind of a wild concept for you. But in this photo album, you know, our, our pictures, right, that says, hey, this is my family. This book in heaven has your name written in it. It's God's photo album of you. And he has it, and your name is written in it. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are in the book. You are in the family. That is something to be grateful for. That is something that nothing can ever remove your name once it's there. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. You belong here, and we mean that. When we say that you belong here, we mean that you belong in a church family, in a spiritual family that you will have on the other side. And as we all serve him together, we're able to grow closer to each other and build authentic relationships in the process. You know, the church is called the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16 says that the whole body fits together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing. So just like you and I were, every single person created by God was meant to be a part of his family. That includes the people outside these doors. The people that are hurting, hopeless, broken, alone. But the cool part is that God picked you and me to do it together as the church. And as we said in the beginning, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll keep on saying it, you are not alone. Yes. You're not alone. Amen. And it doesn't matter how hard life gets or how bad things look. You're not by yourself when you are part of God's family. Amen. You know, Come on. That's, that's good. There's a children's movie. I don't know how many times I've watched it, but I watch it because it's really cute. It's called Lilo and Stitch, right? And there's one particular line in that movie that always stuck with me. And the little girl says this. She says, Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Being part of God's family means you are not left behind and you are not forgotten. You know, the deepest level of fellowship is the kind of bond that exists between family members. It's an unconditional kind of bond that is for life, and in our case, it's actually for beyond this life. It's really beyond this life. If you're a believer in, in Jesus, if you accept him, if your name is in that book, it extends beyond this this uh, this life. Acts 2.42 says this, uh, in the, describing the early church, says they were like family to each other. Our God-given task is clear in the mission of Pursuit Church. Simply says, we're going to pursue God and love people. We're going to pursue God and love people. Come on. 
Now that starts with us being there for each other, partnering together all around this person called Jesus Christ. This is his church. And this is what um, God calls us to do in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. This, This pursuing God and loving people says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So that's that's the pursuing God part, right? And then verse 31 says this, The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. Come on. Come on. That's good. This is what Jesus himself said, you know, before Jesus came, there was about 600 some odd laws on the books, so to speak, right? From the Old Testament all the way. And, and people were trying to live and live and keep all these laws. And someone, in the response we just read was when someone asked Jesus, well, what is the, what's the greatest of all these 600 and some odd laws? That they were trying to trap him, trying to really get him nailed down. And Jesus said, it's really just two things. Love God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and love other people as yourself is, is a different translation. Same thing we just read. Said all the laws hang on those two things. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. Every law, every command, every part of the essence of who Jesus was, what he came here to do, is found in those two things. You know, the people that God is sending to us here, the people that are crossing your path, that God has planned already to cross your path in the future, those people that God is sending to you as a divine connection, those people are going to know that we are believers of Christ, that we are true followers of Christ, not by what we say, not by what we wear, but because they see us truly loving and serving each other. That's how they'll know. This is the most powerful witness we can ever have. God made us for each other. He made us for himself, but he made us for each other. And that means that we need to love each other. We need to learn to do that. We need to learn how to lay down our lives and serve each other in the church, in his family. The Bible says the greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. This is in John 15. We want to be known as that church that truly loves, that truly loves each other, God, and other people. We want to be known for loving each other as a functioning, godly family. This is what it's all about anyway, y'all. Love. It's all about love. And you know, in his great love for humanity, Jesus laid down his life and he served. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And his ultimate act of service was going to the cross for us, laying his life down, suffering an excruciating death so that we would have an eternal family with our Father God in heaven so that our names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, I'd, I'd like everybody to just close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes and um, bow your heads. You know, if you're here today and maybe, you know, you've been feeling alone. 
Maybe you've already asked Jesus into your heart and he is your savior and you know him that way, but there's something that's still not quite right. Maybe you still feel alone. Friend, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I ask you to show yourself mighty right now. I ask you to fill broken hearts with your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, let your people know. Let them know how much you love them. Let your children know that you have a good plan for them. That your plan is good and it's to give them a future and a hope. Let them know that you are here. You are there in their in their loneliness. In those moments when they feel alone and hopeless. Lord, let your kids know that you haven't forsaken them. Your plans are still good and you see their tears and you're making a way. Lord, let your kids know you're making a way right now. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for filling in those gaps. Amen. Amen. And you know, maybe, maybe you're looking for a place to belong. You have an earthly family, but you don't know that you have a spiritual family, that you have a family for eternity. You need to come to know God. You want to come to know God. You want to be part of His family. You want to become His child so you can be part of that. So you can have an eternal life with God. You need salvation with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you and now's a good time to cry out to Him. And you know what? We're going to support you in that. We're all going to close our eyes and pray this prayer after me. It's all you got to do. One simple prayer. So you repeat after me. Everybody repeat after me and let's support whoever's making a decision for Christ today. Dear God. Dear God. I want to be one of your kids. I want to be one of your kids. Part of your family. Part of your family. I repent of my sin and I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin and ask you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I ask you now to come into my heart and be my Lord. I ask you now to come into my heart and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.